I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Last night we left off in 1 Kings chapter 13. We got part of the way done. I took us through a bunch of tangents. And tonight we will continue in chapter 11. Do you remember what the King Jeroboam had just asked the man of God to do? Asked him to eat with him at his palace. That's right. I was going to say, like, um, tell, um, this guy to, um, tell God to, um, place his arm how it was when it got, like, messed up. Okay, so what what Brock said just now happened first, and then what Trey said happened second. And that's where we were at, at the end of, or in the middle of the chapter. And we pick it back up in verse 11. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel. Boys know what a prophet was? A person who listened to what God said and told it to people. The answer is yes. Trey knows exactly what a prophet is. He was living in Bethel, whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked them, Which way did he go? And his sons showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And when they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it. Man, it's nice to have sons. Because they can do stuff like saddle your donkey for you. You know? (laughs) Or pick up the dishes after dinner. You guys do a good job at that. I enjoy doing it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I think it's natural for people to want responsibilities and to want a job. Now go saddle my donkey. If we did have a donkey, would you saddle it for me? Yeah, I'll go saddle one. We don't have a donkey or a saddle. Okay, and in verse 14. They saddled the donkey and rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, You must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet, as you are. 
And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, Bring him back with you to your house, so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him, and ate and drank in his house. Not a good idea. How deceptive. Well, let's see where this goes, but it, like, this just doesn't feel good. While they were sitting... You were right, Brock. Not a good idea. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your fathers. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion, of all things, met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown down on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed by saw the body thrown down there with the lion standing beside the body, and they went and reported it in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him, as the word of the Lord had warned him. The prophet said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. Man, they're doing a lot of saddling. Can't make jokes during this part because it's pretty intense, but they're saddling his donkey a lot. And they did so. Then he went out and found the body thrown down on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of God laid it on the donkey, and brought it back to his own city to mourn for him and bury him. Then he laid the body in his own tomb, and they mourned over him and said, Oh, my brother. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the message he declared by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. Let's read a few footnotes here, okay? This prophet had been given strict orders from God not to eat or drink anything while on his mission. He died because he listened to a man who claimed to have a message from God rather than to God himself. I mean, if God told him not to eat directly, then if God wanted to change his mind, don't you think God could tell him directly? Yes. Alright. This prophet should have followed God's word instead of hearsay. Trust what God's word says rather than when someone what someone claims is true, and disregard what others claim to be messages from God if their words contradict the Bible. Okay, here's another footnote. Lions are mentioned frequently in the Old Testament. They were common enough to be a threat both to people and to their flocks. Samson, David, and Benaiah all faced wild lions. 
The fact that the lion and the donkey were standing by the prophet's body showed that this was a divine judgment. Why would the fact that the donkey and lion were just standing there next to the body show that it was divine, like it was from God, it wasn't just the natural world? Because why would a lion and a donkey just stay there? Right. Why wouldn't the lion do what with the body? Yeah, if people went to explore it, like... Eat the body. Like, why would the lion eat the body? Yeah. Oh, like, explorers wouldn't... Why would the lion not eat him up? Right. The lion didn't do anything to anybody else. It didn't eat prey, being the man or the donkey. It was just interesting, right? So it showed uh, that they were standing there. It was a divine judgment. Obviously, normally the lion would have attacked the donkey and or devoured the man. And in verse 33, Even after this, Jeroboam did not change his evil ways, but once more appointed priests for the high places from all sorts of people. So, I mean, he stretches out his hand. The word of God comes. He tries to seize the, the man before he had stretched out his hand against him. The hand shrivels up. He panics. Ask the man of God, take this back. In God's grace, he does. And then it doesn't change Jeroboam at all. Anyone who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. This was the sin of the house of Jeroboam that led to its downfall and to its destruction from the face of the earth. And then the footnote for that verse. Under penalty of death, God had forbidden anyone to be a priest who is not from the tribe of Levi. Levites were assured of lifetime support from the tithe, so they did not have to spend time farming, worrying about tribal interests, or fearing for their financial futures. Jeroboam's new priests were financed by the king and his fees to mix priestly and secular duties, and they quickly fell into party politics because they didn't have job security. They were easily corrupted by bribes, Jeroboam's disobedience was the downfall of true religion in the northern kingdom. What are bribes? It's like, I'll I'll pay you money if you do this for me. Oh. And usually it would be... It doesn't have to be unethical, but usually there's something unethical about it. Because ideally, if you want somebody to do a good thing, you shouldn't necessarily have to pay them, right? We're not talking about a job. Like doing something for a job. Um, here would be a bribe. Okay. Your teacher, let's say you did bad on a test. Hey, teacher, I've got $50 in my wallet at home. I'll give you $50 if you change the grade on that test. That's a bribe. You see how that's, that's not true and honest and good, right? Yeah. You're trying to bribe your teacher with money to change your result, right? Or let's say you're in a gymnastics meet. Hey, judge, I'll give you $100 if you score score me easily on this. First, it wouldn't feel good to win that way, my opinion. It's like, you don't want to win by cheating. So that's what a bribe is. And, you know, there's this kind of theme that goes along where, like, the northern kingdom, they're just always a little bit more messed up than the southern kingdom in Israel. You'll see this as we go forward. And the Bible points out right there that it, it was because of this. It was because Jeroboam 
listened to his friends. He listened to... Well, that was Rehoboam, really, who listened had listened um, to his friends. But Jeroboam decided not to do what the Lord said, allowing the Levites to be priests. And he allowed people from other tribes. They were not protected in their position as priests by the tithe. This is discussions we'll have to get into. And why was the tithe instituted and why was it important? There's a lot of complexities to this. But the tithe in that time was important because... Of the 12 tribes, only 11 of them got a section of land. That means one tribe didn't get any land. Do you know which tribe that was? The Levites. The Levites. Because the other 11 tribes were supposed to inherit their land and raise sheep on it, grow crops on it, use it to gain wealth and a livelihood. But the Levites weren't supposed to stay in an area with their tribe. They were supposed to live amongst the other 11 tribes and be the priests, be the people who brought God. Now, land was important in those times, and because the Levites didn't have an inheritance, the Lord put the tithe in the tithe. It's important. These things they don't talk about a lot in church. The tithe was in the old law, in numbers, was on produce. Produce is not income. We can draw those inferences if we want, and I I definitely wouldn't encourage people not to be generous with their money. I personally believe that generosity is different than the tithe. When When we give, we give. And when we do, I don't give because I feel like I'm under law to tithe. I give because... The Lord is transform. We give because the Lord is transforming our hearts and turning us into a gen, a generous creation. He doesn't transform our hearts so that way we become stingy. That's not the Lord's work, right? So when we give Him our hearts, He's going to reveal these things and He's going to turn us into gener- generous people. Sometimes we have to take a step of faith, and and there's good things for that. But I don't use the tithe. Doesn't I'm not enslaved to it. I believe that the tithe was for produce. So what comes from the ground means that it came from the land that the Lord gave to them, meaning it was given to them. So they were actually literally giving back a tenth of what the Lord had just given them in the promised land, right, of their produce. And the reason they were giving that to the Levitical priesthood was because the Levites, the Levitical priesthood, they didn't have land where they could go make their own money and grow their own crops and make their own way of life. So they needed the other ports, the other tribes to support them through the tithing of produce. And that is how the Levites were able to exist. So that way they didn't have to go around begging people and showing religious preference to the people who supported them and not showing religious preference to the people who didn't. Listen, If you made your income, we'll say, weaving baskets, that wasn't something that was supposed to be tithed. The income you generated from that wasn't to be tithed. If you made your income selling produce from the ground, that was supposed to be tithed. But the Levite, it wasn't his responsibility to bless the one person and curse the other. The Levite just received what God had ordained, and so he could treat everybody equally under the religious his religious duties 
Jeroboam messed us all up. And that's the story there. So we spent a lot of time talking about tithing and, and kind of getting off subject here, but it just goes to show there's these little things you could read in the Bible that don't seem to mean much, and actually they have a ton. This was a hard chapter, and obviously it's sad what happened. I think the biggest takeaway isn't, okay, the Levites survived because of the the tithe because they didn't have an inheritance, and we're not under the tithe anymore. We're under something that's actually greater than the tithe. It's called generosity. Uh, that's not really the main point of tonight, although those are interesting points and we should take them away. The main point is, when the Lord gives you a word, follow that word until the Lord directs you otherwise. And if the Lord has something to say, I believe he will say it. You know, sometimes it's easy for me to feel like I'm I'm not a Levite. So what right do I have to go and preach and put this on a podcast and put it out there? Well, my right comes from the Great Commission from the Lord, where he said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to baptize them in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to love one another. And and to obey, sorry, and to obey God's commands, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and to love one another. So my authority is in him. If he finds false with me doing this, I believe he will make that clearly known. So if somebody comes up and says, you know what, you don't have the right because you don't have a degree. I hear from God, I'm a prophet, and he told me that you don't have a right to do this. I'm going to reject that because I believe the Lord has given me the authority and the right to do that. And so until the Lord confronts me about it, I'm going to do that. Does that make sense? Um, So I think that's where we should be. Follow the word of the Lord unless you hear directly from him. You guys all right? Yeah. All right. Two things I expect tonight. The first, saddle my donkey. <laughs> the second, unsaddle it and then resaddle my donkey. <laughs> That's three things. <laughs> all right. You guys are good kids. And I love you. I love you too. too.